This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Uh, Today, I want to also say thank you so much for your generosity, your love to us as a pastoral staff. Uh, Thank you for loving us. Thank you for letting us serve you. Thank you for letting us be your shepherd and be your pastors. And I can just say this, we have an amazing team. Uh, You are blessed with an amazing team. Would you give them a round of applause today? I, I appreciate the pastoral staff on my team. I'm so thankful for them. And uh, I'm excited about today. How many, are about, how many are excited about church today? You love Jesus. You're excited to be part of, part of Relevant Life Church. I'm excited about today. I'm excited about above and beyond. Uh, I, I love this topic. I love what we're doing this year. I love being able to, to step in and see God provide faithfully. Uh, and, and he uses people to do so. And so I'm, I'm excited to see as, as pledges are coming in and the amount's going up, we'll give you an announcement next week. Today, I'm starting a, a, a two-part, uh, two-part message, part one of genera- generous giving, as well as part two next week. I'm going to give you three points this week and three points next week. Uh, and I could have done, tried to do all six of them, but you had been here for an hour and a half, and that would have been hard. Um, not for me, but for you, right? Uh, uh, anyway, once again, we're in this idea idea of above and beyond. We've, we as a church believe in this above and beyond God that we get to serve. And uh, I, I'm, I love that. Before I do that, I've, I've almost forgotten. One of my favorite ladies on the planet is here today. My daughter, Sydney, is here. Would you give her a round of applause? And uh, uh, she's amazing in herself, but but on top of that, she brought my two amazing grandkids. And uh, can I tell you, there's nothing like uh, having someone run up to you on Sunday morning going peepaw. Now, you guys can all do that if you want to. Uh, uh, you know, it might be a little bit awkward, but, uh, but my grandkids are coming up going peepaw. And I'm like going, this, this is heaven. This is heaven. Can you just, can, can you just I think I'm going to spiritualize it here. Do you realize that when we come in and do worship, we're going, Jesus, God. We're doing God. Can you tell, you know, when your kid does that to you, your grandkid does that to you, and it brings this warm, fuzzy feeling of love, can I tell you that that's what God feels when you worship him? I love that. I love that concept. Anyway, back to above and beyond. Uh, That's my free little announcement there. But I can tell you that over the last several years, as we've stepped into this above and beyond, it's demanded of us as a people sacrifice. It's demanded of us as a people faith. But can I tell you, it's not just demanded something of us, it's actually blessed us in the process of giving. We are a better people because of what we've done. And so we do this on a regular basis to get our mindset off of us and to focus outward, to look at a bigger picture. And uh, we've, the, the, our, our, our task this year is to raise $35,000. Um, and we're going to be focusing on two different areas. Last week, we showed a video on this first one, and I would just want to read through it so you're aware. We are focusing outward by supporting an initiative to further Chi Alpha ministry across the state of Oregon. They have a campaign that's one million for one million. One million uh, students under the age of 21 that we want to give them a dollar to to create one million for one million. Chi Alpha is a worldwide university-based ministry with the goal of reaching college students with, with the message of the gospel. It's present in, large, in the largest and well-known universities around our nation, as well as in the state of Oregon. We are given specifically to furthering Chi Alpha for the state of Oregon. Uh, that we want to be able to provide uh, ministries as well as provide uh, to house students and all that sort of stuff that's in this process. Uh, you'll hear a little bit more. If you want to see the video, you can see it online, but you'll also see it again next week. But today, I want to focus on focus number two, and we're going to show a video in just a second. We're focusing on the inward, uh, on inward for the personal furthering of RLC's mission in our community, in this community, in, in our family here. Uh, we are passionate about the generations. How many love generations? So we're staying focused generationally in the colleges, but we're also looking at the generations for RLC and that what God has called this community to be. And there are several things that we would like to do to improve and to move on, move our ministry efforts forward. So, above and, so part of this above and beyond offering is we'll, we'll raise money to help us move forward in technological advances and upgrades in our departments. Can I tell you, it's a culture that we need to have those things, right? And so we just need your help. I love this video that we have put together for you this morning. Uh, I, I've 
pick the best of the best, and you're going to see them on the screen. But it communicates my heart, and it communicates the Word of God. Would you listen today? First Chronicles 29 reads, King David announced to the whole assembly that the work to be done is tremendous. God's house is not a palace for people, but a temple for the Lord God. I myself have made every effort to prepare materials for the temple over and above all this. I have also given my own personal property because of my love for God's house. Now who else is willing to give a generous offering to the Lord? Then the people gave willingly and they were happy that so much had been given. Later on, David continues to speak after the people gave alongside of him. Lord, may you be praised forever and ever. Everything in heaven and earth is yours, and you are king, supreme ruler over all. All riches and wealth come from you, and we give you thanks, yet my people and I cannot really give you anything because everything is a gift from you, and we have only given back what is yours already. Oh God, we have brought together all this wealth to build a temple to honor your holy name but it all came from you and all belongs to you. Hey RLC, over the past few years, we have felt led to end our year as a church focused on living a life of above and beyond giving. We believe this is a way of life that the Bible truly calls people to. And this year at RLC, we are embarking on that journey once again. Now, of course, this kind of giving can be expressed through our time, prayers, and service, but it can't be overlooked at how explicitly clear the Bible is when it comes to giving above and beyond with our finances. As we just heard from David in a powerful moment recorded in Chronicles, all that we have is God's. It is a gift from Him alone. This realization encapsulates the heart of what above and beyond means. Above and beyond giving is giving out of a place that recognizes we have been given so much from an above and beyond giving God. So as we come to the end of 2023, the heart of this opportunity is something our church gets to live out through an above and beyond offering. As we have learned so far in this series, our main focus for this year's offering is outward. It will be going toward impacting the future of this state and nation through the ministry of Chi Alpha. However, the other part of this offering is focused on God's house and furthering his mission for RLC in this city. We are passionate about what God has called this community to do and be, and there are several things we would like to do to move our ministry efforts forward. That is why part of the Above and Beyond offering this year will go toward technology upgrades, facility improvements, and ministry updates at RLC so we can continue to connect with God, relate to people, and reach our world. We believe that God has more for this church, and we would love for you to commit to being a part of it through this year's Above and Beyond campaign. Yeah, come on. Aren't they remarkable? I love their hearts. I love what they, what they, how they presented this vision. Can I tell you this? We, we love our nation. We love our state. And part of our giving is to love our state and to see that mission, forward, mission go forward. But part of it's also because we love the house. And I love this house. I love the people that are part of this house. And not only do I love this house, I love the house of God. And I believe that we need to be faithful in that area. Today, as we step back into this section, uh, or the, this, the message series, Above and Beyond, I want to remind you of what the definition is of above and beyond, actions or behavior that exceeds what is required or expected, that exceeds what's required or expected. And what we, you're going to understand a little bit more as we process this message today to see the expectations and requirements that God has and why this above and beyond mindset is so important. The reality is, is that one of the greatest privileges that you and I get to step into is that we get to give, give to the house of God, that we get to give to God's kingdom, that we get to partner with him. But can I tell you, it's not only is it one of the greatest privileges, it is one of the greatest challenges. Because we live in a culture today that is very much about ourselves and very much about uh, how does that impact me. And we dialogued list last week a little bit about rather than going, what about me, but how can I make a difference? How can I make a difference? And that's what this whole series is about. 
Last week we talked real quickly about this idea of what happens when I give. When I give, I fulfill purpose. When I give, I become a conduit of blessing. When I give, I gain kingdom perspective. When I give, I partner with God in his mission. And I hope that if you didn't hear that sermon, you'll go back and you'll listen to it. And maybe you just need to go back to go, no, I need to remind, be reminded over and over again when I give, this, these are kingdom principles. These are things beyond myself. They're not just for me. It's what's happening in the heavenlies that when I do these things, there's a natural thing that's re- that, that, that comes as a result. The next two weeks, we're going to be talking about generous giving. And uh, it's a concept, this mindset, not only when we give, but how many know that how you give matters? How you give matters. And so we're going to be talking about how to give and why does that matter? And really, it comes back to this concept of generosity. I want to ask you a question this morning. How many in this room, let's be, I I want participation. How many in this room have ever uh, had the fear of not having enough? Not having enough. How many have ever had the fear of not being enough? Can I tell you, I think that those are two core fears that can settle over all of our lives in one way or another. This idea of enough is as much as is necessary the amount needed. Basically, when we come back and we say that I have a fear of not having enough, it means that I'm not going to have enough to make it through the end of the month to pay the bills for my family, or I'm not, I, that I'm not being enough, that I'm just not enough for this situation. I don't know about you, but I, I do believe that we've all had this concept of, not, of fearing and not enough. To be honest, as a pastor, as a human, I can face this mindset quite a bit. I can sense this pressure of, of, of leading in a significant organization with a significant size budget of not having enough. As we come to the end of months uh, where money's not all there, I have this, this, this concern of, are we, will we have enough? We're not going to have enough. We don't have enough right now. This mindset that doesn't just come in and impact Kevin's world, but it re- comes to this place of going, I'm not going to have enough to pay my staff. I'm not going to have enough to keep the lights on. I'm not going to have enough to keep ministry resources going out. I'm not going to have enough to pay and support our missionaries like we promised that we were going to. And you know what quickly comes as a tandem to that is because I don't have enough, the enemy comes and says, Kevin, you're not enough. You're just not enough. This mindset as a pastor to go, oh, I'm leading this organization. Maybe I'm just not enough. If I were enough... If I were better, then the monies would come in. If I did what I needed to do, and can I tell you that I believe wholeheartedly in taking responsibility for the situations in my life. I can look at, at, at my home life and go, am I enough? Sometimes I don't feel enough as a husband. I don't feel enough as a dad. I don't feel enough as an employer. Anybody ever feel those feelings? I'm just not, an, I'm, I'm not a good enough friend. I must have done something Can I tell you that what oftentimes happens when we get into this mindset? We look inward, and yes, we need to take responsibility to go, am I being what I need to be? But when we look inward, we try to figure out how do we fabricate more? And we take sole responsibility on ourselves to be more. When in reality, that just creates a whole other set of problems. Because the problem is, is when we're, we become self-reliant, that can lead us into, into despair, which can bring us to a mindset of, I'm not going to get enough in order to be enough, so therefore I'm ultimately not enough. And I tell you that many times we like to gloss that over to go, no, I'm good, I'm good, no, I'm enough, I have a good self-image. But I think in reality, a lot of times we're battling this mindset in the back of our brains. Today, I want to talk about this idea of enough. And uh, I I think many times we don't realize that we have limits. How many know that you have limits in your life? You You have limits in your personality. You have limits in your abilities. You have limits in your skill set. You have limits relationally. We're limited because we're human. And today we come with limits. Today we uh, have limits of not being enough in a lot of areas. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough energy. And today when we think about this above and beyond challenge, we're limited because maybe within 
our, our community of RLC, there could be one person or two people that could come up with the entirety of $35,000, but likely not. So we're all limited. We have a limited ability to meet this need. Matthew chapter 14, Jesus landed and he saw a crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowd away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something. Turn to your neighbor and say, you give something. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them to me, he said, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up into heaven, and he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people, and they all ate and were, what's the word? Fulfilled. They were satisfied. And the disciples picked up what? Twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. I love this story because the disciples come with this mindset of going, God, Jesus, we're in a remote place, meaning we don't have enough. We have lack. We don't have enough. They're approaching the situation going, no, we don't have enough. They're, they're, They're trying to figure out how do we meet the need. The disciples looked at the size of the problem and concluded they did not have the answer. Can I tell you that that's oftentimes what happens in our lives? We look at a problem and go, I don't have, I, I'm not the answer. And can I tell you that in a way that's really, really good because we're not to be self-sufficient, but the p- problem is, is when we get into the place of going, I'm not, I, I don't have enough, then we become saying, I am not enough rather than going to the God who has more than enough. And that's this concept today that we think about in this story Unfortunately, as the disciples saw this problem, this oversized problem, they revealed their undersized faith. They were convinced that they could never have enough to feed all the people in their ability. In their own ability, they couldn't. They looked at, their, at these five loaves and these two fish, and they said, what is this little going to do for the masses? How many have ever felt that way in your situation? What is my little going to do for the masses? What is my little going to do for the end goal? I don't know about you, but I can oftentimes look at a problem and decide that it's too big for me. It's too big for what I have to offer. We decide that there is no way to solve it, and we won't even try. So therefore, we don't even try. Many times, people will even come to this mindset. Last week, I had a comment from someone going, well, Pastor Kevin, I just don't have this this amount to give. And I'm going, I'm not asking for amount. I'm just asking for everyone to participate. Can I tell you that it's important that we step in and realize that it is the little bit given in faith that God uses and makes an abundance of. When we let the fact, uh, when we let that fact settle into our hearts, we realize that God is able to make up the enough. The reality is, is I want us to think about this little boy who came with his lunchbox that day. It says that the disciples had been there, or that the crowd had been there for a long time. I want you to understand uh, in, in a semblance of how much food really was there. It says five small barley loaves and two fish. I don't know about you, but to me, that looks like a rather significant lunch for a little boy, but a very insignificant amount for 5,000 plus people. I don't know about you, but I think I I, want to see this because I want us to understand the magnitude of the God that is enough. I want us to grasp this concept that here this little boy comes and says, no, I got, I I, I got my sack lunch. My mom packed it this morning and here's my sack lunch. I really don't believe that the little boy even understood what was going to take place. I don't believe he had a comprehension. The the disciples are going, does anybody have any food? And he's going, well, no, I, I, I got five loaves and I got two fish. Maybe he was even in his mindset going, you know, Jesus has been teaching all day. He needs it worse than I do. Maybe he was coming with the mindset to go, I'm just going to give this to Jesus. 
The disciples come with their mocking attitude of, God, we're in a remote place and we don't have enough. We have this, but it's not enough. It's insignificant. And Jesus comes back and says, bring it to me. Bring it to me. It is significant and I'm going to make it enough. What I love about this story about this little boy is I see a generous-minded little kid. He didn't come and go, well, Jesus, I'll share one biscuit with you and give you one fish. He says, I'm going to come and I'm going to give it all to you. Can I tell you that's generosity? I'm going to come and I'm going to just give it all to you. You know, the thing that's so cool about generosity is this. The little boy gave up his lunch, but yet was still fed and filled. Can I tell you that that's the principle of generosity? That when you give up, God goes, you can't outgive me. I'm going to still feed you and I'm still going to fill you. I'm still going to meet your need. And this statement comes to my mind, little things are important, not because of what they are in themselves, but because they can be part of something greater. When we talked last week about this mindset of partnering together, individually, we can't do a million dollars. But we've partnered together with the Oregon Ministry Network to come in and go, no, we're going to raise a million dollars. And there's over $900,000 that's been pledged for this already. Can I tell you, we're well on the way of what God wants to do, but it's been everybody's little and generosity that has brought us to this end. The significance of this story as I introduce my topic today is this. The little boy was willing to give what he had. Generosity comes to a place of saying, are you willing to give what you have? And that's the question that all of us are confronted with today. Are you willing to give what you have? And the other reality here is that the, is, is in his process of generosity, he didn't just give what he had, he gave it generously. He didn't just give a portion of it. And that's really what this question of generosity all comes back to. The definition of generosity is this, showing a readiness, everyone say readiness, a readiness to give more of something, a readiness to give. And maybe some of you have come today ready and some of you have not come ready. But can I tell you that the Holy Spirit wants to make you ready? The Holy Spirit wants to work in your heart and in your life to bring you to a place of readiness. Over the next six weeks, I want to talk about six biblical traits of generosity. Six biblical traits of generosity. Today, uh, as I begin with the first three, number one, generous givers give differently. Generous givers give differently. Everyone say differently. Can I tell you, we like the idea of being different, but in ways we don't like the idea of being different because the idea of being different sets us apart and actually people make fun of us for being different. How many have ever been made fun of for being different? Can I tell you today, when we think about this concept of being different, we, we step back and go, no, we need to relish in being different. The Bible tells us that you and I are aliens. How many want to be an alien? The concept, the, co the context is that you and I are aliens on this planet, that we don't belong here, that we are different then. And generous givers give differently. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus comes and he compares the difference between the Old Testament law and the New Testament law, grace and, and intent. He makes a statement throughout this entire series of Sermon on the Mount. He said, it has been written, but now I say... He's like coming and going, the law says, but I'm going to change what's most important. And we think about this mindset of the kingdom mindset that, we've been, that we kind of talked about a little bit last week, and we'll talk a little bit about it more today. But Jesus is calling us to a place of difference. The whole entire Sermon on the Mount is saying, you're used to doing this, but now I'm asking you to do it differently. I want you to live differently. When we look at the Old Testament, it says, do not kill Jesus said, the New Testament says, whoever hates is a murderer. How many have ever felt hate, or hate, hate towards somebody? Old Testament says, do not commit adultery, but whoever lusts commits adultery in his heart. Old Testament says, you must not break your vows. And the New Testament says, do not vow, just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Old Testament says an eye for an eye, which is this mindset of revenge. And the New Testament comes and says, turn the other cheek. 
Old Testament says, love your neighbors. Jesus comes and says, love your enemies. Old Testament says, come and give your tithe unto the Lord. And the New Testament comes and says, give generously according to the grace that you've experienced. Can I tell you this mindset, this difference that Jesus is trying to bring to our culture And I'm going to ask you, as you begin to look at your life, as you begin to evaluate your heart, I'm not judging, but I can tell you, as I looked at all these Old Testament, New Testament, can I tell you that there's times that I'm living in the Old Testament in my mind? I'm living according to the law rather than to the new law that Jesus gave? How many have found yourself guilty in that? You know, it's easy to love our neighbor, but what about our enemy? How many times have I felt hatred towards a situation and a circumstance, and I've just caused murder. Have you thought about the depth that Jesus is going, no, I want to bring change. I want you to live differently. As we see in these statements above, Jesus intensified the expectations in the New Testament over the Old Testament. He raised it several notches in our lives. Giving was one of those. And he said, we realize throughout scripture that giving has always been a matter of the heart. The giving has always been a revelation of what you're feeling in your heart, of what you're prioritizing in your heart. And as I said last week, remember that giving is a reflex of our love. Jesus, or God out of his reflexive love towards us, gave his son to die for us. Giving is a reflex. I just want to give you the difference this morning as we talk about differently so you understand. The practice of giving in the Old Testament was this. There are three kinds of giving, sacrifices, tithes, and free will offerings. Sacrifices included, some of these were costly, but there was the burnt offering for sin. There was the grain offering for recognizing God's goodness. There was a peace offering for giving thanks. There was a sin offering for forgiveness. There was a trespass offering for making restitution for personal offenses, offenses, excuse me, and the annual offering for the sins of the nation on the day of atonement. Can I tell you that all of these Offerings, all these sacrifices required you to bring a spotless gift. Required you to bring a gift that was a sacrifice of yours. Not only were there sacrifices, there were tithes. God instructed the children of Israel to give one-tenth of their agriculture and their produce. To tithe means to give a tenth. Tithing was an act of worship. It was a recognition of who provided for you. It appears in the Old Testament that there are three actual tithes required of the Jewish people. The Levites tithe. This tithe supported the Levites, the men who ministered in the temple and their families. The festival tithe. The Jewish people gathered yearly for a festival in Jerusalem. And they were instructed to bring a tenth of their grain, wine, oil, and livestock to the festival. This tithe was for celebration together. There was the poverty tithe. Here a tenth was collected every three years to take care of needy people including aliens, orphans, and widows. Today, we can come back and go, well, am I an Old Testament giver or am I a New Testament giver? If you're an Old Testament giver, then uh, not only was it a tenth, but if you come and look at all of these, it was probably about 23% annually that you were giving as an Old Testament giver. So we have the sacrifices, we have the tithes, we have free will offerings. After the required giving of sacrifices and tithes, the Jewish people could also give a free will offering These were voluntary offerings to express devotion and worship and thanks. We read in uh, where they talked about in 1 Chronicles this morning on the video, donations of gold and silver and valuables to bring, to to enable them to bring, make, build a constructed, uh, to construct the tabernacle. There we go. So Old Testament giving, then we have the difference of the New Testament. New Testament generous giving is, higher, is a higher standard than the Old Testament tithing. Real quickly, generous giving in the New Testament was given in response to the grace of God. God is the supreme giver. God starts, giving starts with God. God is the model of giving. And it's only made possible because of, of God. And so we have to come back and go, we give because we've encountered God's grace. How many have encountered God's grace? Not only does generosity give in response to the grace of God, it also gives the whole self to God. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. No longer do we bring bulls and lambs and doves for a sacrifice. God says, I want you to sacrifice yourself. 
We're also to give sincerely. Romans chapter 12, verse 8, Paul exhorts the Christians to say, he who gives should do it with liberality. This Greek word liberality actually means singleness without pretense or hypocrisy. Not to give for show, appreciation, or recognition, or advantage. So a sincerity that comes. To give from your abundance. People are, who are financially prosperous should be ready to give, willing to share. Number five, to give from your poverty. So Paul, the, the New Testament's coming and going, I, I'm going to smatter all of it. I'm going to cover every angle that you give from your poverty. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2, he said, who, uh, the Macedonian church who were in great trial and affliction and abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Giving was an act of worship. In addition to the sacrifice of praise, Hebrews talks about not to forget to do good and to share with such sacrifices for God is pleased. Today we can look and we can see the Old Testament had a standard and the New Testament had a standard. And that, you know, I think so often we, we, we come and as I began to read this week, as I began to see, do research online, in our current culture today, there are position papers that Christians have put out there to contradict Old Testament giving and even to contradict New Testament giving. And as I began to read these papers, as I began to read these dialogues and these discussions, all of them are coming from a very self-absorbed perspective. They're coming from what about me rather than whose is it in the first place? And the difference that you and I have, generous givers give because it's not ours, it's his. It never originated with us, it originated with him. Generous, generous givers give differently. Generous givers have priorities. Everyone turn to your neighbor and say Priorities. Last week we stated that when we give, we gain a kingdom perspective, a kingdom point of view, that we think about, uh, we think about the kingdom differently and we think, about, we think on behalf of the kingdom. We're not thinking about self-kingdom, the kingdom of self. We're thinking about the kingdom of God. And if you are honest this morning, as you would step back and evaluate your life, how much did you think about the kingdom of God this week and how much did you think about the kingdom of self this week? Can I tell you, as I measure my life, I'll just be transparent, I sucked. If I were to be generous with myself, I would say that 75% of the time I thought about the kingdom of Kevin, and 25% of the time I thought about the kingdom of God. Every situation, every circumstance, everything I came back and go, it's impacting my life this way. And can I tell you that the Holy Spirit was like going, Kevin, but what about the kingdom of God? Yeah, that's you. But did you realize, Kevin, that you're part of something bigger than just you? Can I tell you, ask you this morning, do you realize you're part of something bigger than just you? Just you and your circumstance. That you've been called to something bigger. Kingdom thinking must lead to kingdom seeking. As you begin to think about the kingdom, it causes you to seek the kingdom. It causes you to understand the kingdom. Having a kingdom mindset will make you live kingdom focused. And many times we come back and go, I can't even get my brain around a kingdom that's bigger than me. Why? Because we're obsessed with our own kingdom. We're obsessed with our kingdom on this earth. Kingdom... Being kingdom-minded is when we are aware that what we are participating here on this earth is only temporary. When you step back and go, no, these, this 50 years, this 70 years, this 100 years, this is just temporary. This thing that I'm working towards for wealth and retirement, it's just temporary. You're not taking it with you. A kingdom-minded person understands that God has a kingdom. Maybe today there's a light bulb that has to come on in your head to go, no, there is a kingdom and it's not mine, it's God's. Maybe you've heard about it, but maybe you need to come back and go, God, I need you to reveal your kingdom to me. God, I want to understand your kingdom. A kingdom-minded person understands that there is a king of that kingdom and that king is not you. That king is him. 
A kingdom-minded person seeks the things of that kingdom first, not second. It's why Jesus came in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, but seek, but seek, but seek, but seek. It's an order of priority. He says, before anything else, I want you to think about this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then I love it because he includes it all. And he says, and all these other things that you're pursuing, all these other things that you're seeking, he'll make it all come together in the end. And all these things will be given to you as well. This idea of seek is what are you seeking? What are you pursuing? What are you desiring? Where is your loyalty to? Idea of priorities is first. Is priorities being regarded or treated as more important. More important. Let me ask you more important than what? Can I tell you that every day you're going to live according to your, according to your priorities? Every day you are living according to what you are seeking first. Every day. And Jesus is coming, just like he did in the Sermon on the Mount. He's coming and going, well, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Just, he's coming and going, let me rock your world. Let me bring a difference. I want you to not just think differently. I want you to live differently. I want you to come and I want you to seek my kingdom first in order of priority. What I've realized is this, what I tend to seek, I work hardest for and I care more about. What I'm pursuing is what I'm working hardest on. If Kevin's pursuing how people perceive him, then I'm working hard on what people are going to see. If I'm pursuing comfort on this planet, then Kevin's going to pursue and work hard towards all these things that are going to make me comfortable. I was rising Rhonda this week going, I want to go on another cruise. Are we planning another cruise? And she's going, honey, you just need to chill out. <laughs> We're given to above and beyond right now. Not your above and beyond, but his above and beyond. But can I tell you that if I was seeking the next cruise, all my money would be going to the next cruise. There's this adjustment that I have to come back and go, no, it's not about me. I'm gonna, I, I want to work hard for him. Amen. I don't remember who made this statement, so this is not my origination, but it says many people adjust their standard of giving to their standard of living. When we seek God's kingdom first, we will adjust our standard of living to our standard of giving. Let me explain it this way. Many people come and say, Pastor Kevin, I can't afford to give to the church. I can't afford to give to God. Then can I tell you today, according to this statement, your standard of living is way too high. Your standard of living, because it has to accommodate your standard of giving. Because if God gave us everything, he deserves the very first. He deserves the first. Many times with giving, we see that what we have as a lack of we see what we have as a lack of provision that we are lacking this ability to provide more. But in reality, what I've realized about my own life is a lack of priority. Dave Ramsey comes and says, "You tell your money where it goes. You tell your money where it goes." And I ask you, is your kingdom pursuing more of you, of what you have because you're not making room for His kingdom? Number three, generous givers give intentionally. What I've realized is this. You can give without being generous, but you can't be generous. You can't be a generous giver without giving. I want you to hear that this morning. You can give without being generous, but you can't be a generous giver without giving. I think sometimes the reason I want to bring this to our attention this morning is that many times we can come and go, well, I gave. It's not just about giving, it's how you give. It's how you give. It's a mindset about giving. It's a heart about giving. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through 2, 
Paul writes here, he says, but now about the collection for God's people. Everyone say collection. collection. Now about the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. What I, the reason I had to repeat collections is this Greek word collection actually means this, to say something with your money and make it count. I want to ask you today, what is your giving saying? What is your giving saying? Now, it's not saying it to Kevin. Please, this, this is not me coming and going, I'm, I'm counting every penny that you're giving. I'm going, what is it saying to God? What is your collection, the collection that's coming around going, what is it saying about your life? As you give, what is it speaking? A generous giver puts their money where their mouth is. Puts their money where their mouth is. If you come and go, God has forgiven me much. God has shown me great grace. Then God's going, I want you to give with the same grace and generosity. I want you to understand the principle that is here. Paul, in this passage of scripture, he gives us three, three forms of intentionality. The first one is a generous giver gives consistently. In verse two, it says, on the first day of every week. Everyone say every week. Every week. It says, New, Te- New Testament giving was not a hit or miss. It was a regular giving. It was a regular process that took place. Consistent meaning regular, steady, free from contradiction. There was not negotiation. Can I tell you that sometimes we come to the end of our month with, with not enough, but because we give to God first, God's already got his, and then God makes up the difference for what's left over. How many have discovered that in your life? It wasn't waiting until we had everything paid to go, do I have enough? No, there, we come with a regular steady going, no, God, this is yours. This is a 10% plus of what you've given us. Craig Rochelle makes a statement that I've changed. He says, successful people do consistently what others do occasionally. And I want to change it. Generous people do consistently what others do consistently. Can I tell you that oftentimes... We have the sporadic, one of our deacons in the past has said they, we call them tippers rather than tithers. We call them tippers rather than givers because there's the sporadic. Can I tell you, if you're a generous giver, you're going to do consistently what others are going to do occasionally. A generous giver gives consistently. Not only does he give consistently, it says a generous giver gives deliberately. The first day of the week, they set aside a sum. There was a deliberateness. They evaluated their life. They evaluated their income. They evaluated what was coming in and they evaluated their lifestyle and they said, God, we want to give according to. We're setting aside a sum and God, we're going to give this sum. We're not going to borrow from this sum. Paul is training his church to be intentional. This word deliberate is careful and thorough consideration. What this does is it battles this mindset that we give based upon feeling. Can I tell you that there's an emotional place of giving? And I love to give. I love what it feels like. But can I tell you what's more important than the emotional part of giving is the deliberate part. To go, God, I love you whether I feel like it or not. God, I'm going to give to you whether I feel like it or not. Giving is not a feeling. Giving is a decision. Giving is a decision. It's not going, God, I want to feel good because I'm obeying you today. No, God, I'm deciding to obey you today. Paul goes on, they gave consistently, generous giver gives deliberately, a generous giver also gives sacrificially. And he goes on to say, first day of the week, they set aside a sum in keeping what? With their income. I think of Jesus in his words, to whom much is given, much is required. And what oftentimes has to impact my heart is for me to realize how much I've been given. To to cause me to step back, to go, I have been given so much. God, I want to give back to you. I've encountered so much blessing. God, I want to bless you. 
What I love about this, in keeping with your income, really is this statement, not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. In accordance to what you're making, you may not be giving the same amount that someone else does, but in accordance to your income, you're setting aside this amount. This idea of sacrificial is something that you give up. Something you give up. I've discovered that I'll give up most anything for my kids. And I'll give up most anything for my grandkids. I will pinch pennies all of these things, all my life to try and figure out how do I bless and do again. What it hits me is that I can see where I'm willing to sacrifice for these things that I can see, but how willing am I to sacrifice for the kingdom of God? I ask you this morning, does your giving, is your giving characterized by these three words, consistent, deliberate, and sacrificial? As I close this morning, I wanna read a story to you, a story that impacted me as a young man and still impacts me today in so many different angles, Matthew 25. It says, a man was going on a journey and he called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went on, went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Before I finish the story, maybe you're familiar with it. I'm sure probably most of you are. I read the Word of God, and I always try to pick a character that I want to be. I want to be the one with the five bags because God trusts me more. But can I tell you that I've realized in my life in times that I've been given the one that's the one bag and then I've hit it someplace. I've wanted to just keep it safe. Verse 19, it says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me. You entrusted me with five bags of gold. Now I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're this hard man. You have high expectations, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. How many have ever felt that fear? I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here it is, it belongs to you. I don't know about you, but I want the response, well done and good good and faithful servant. And here Jesus comes with this statement. He says, the master replied, he says, you wicked and you lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to someone else who has 10 bags. For whoever has been given more, uh, for, for whoever, excuse me, for whoever who has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. I remember reading this story as a student in, in college. Back then, very little to my name. Everything that I had was given to me. Every form of income was very little. And I realized in the story that there was something dynamic that I wanted to reach for, that I wanted to strive for. I didn't want to be say, I didn't want 
the master to come and say, Kevin, you're wicked and you're lazy. I did want to hear well done and good good and faithful servant. How many here want to hear well done and good and faithful servant? What I love about this story is that one was motivated by what was entrusted to them and one was, or two were motivated by what was entrusted to them and one was motivated by fear. And I ask you today, what are you motivated by? Are you motivated, motivated by the fact that God has given you something to give? Are you fearful that he hasn't given you enough to give? And I want you to decipher this morning. I'll just ask you this. If you hired a manager who refused to track income and expenses for you, how long would you keep that manager? I think about our staff and every month, uh, every week, there's an expense tracking sheet that all of us have to fill in for our departments of the money we spent. Why? Because we're tracking budget. We're tracking what monies are coming in and what money, or what monies are being spent. That's stewardship. That's saying, God, we want to honor you with how we're spending the money that's coming in. God, we want to honor you with how we're, how, how we're, 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 the money that's been entrusted to us, we want to be faithful with. And I ask you today, are you, do you realize you've been entrusted with something? Today, the question goes out again, will you give? Not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. Will you fill out one of these, go to one of these spots, go to the next slide about the giving slide there, if you would, right there. Go to one of these locations, scan the QR code. Would you figure out where you can give, where you can be generous above and beyond what God has given you? I know that God's gonna bless you, not only, but we don't do it for our blessing. We do it for his kingdom. Can I tell you that that's a kingdom mindset? That's my challenge that I want to just challenge you with it. You're not going, God, I'm giving to be blessed. I'm giving for your kingdom to go on. I'm giving for your kingdom to go on. And God, this, in the name of Jesus this morning, I thank you that you are a God that is generous. God, I thank you for this story of the five loaves of bread and the two fish. I love the visual. God, today, as we come with the amount of money that we have pledged for Chi Alpha and for, the, the, for RLC. God, in reality to the need, it feels insignificant. But God, all you're asking of us is for us to be like the little boy who's bringing his loaves of bread and his fish so that you can multiply it. And God, today, each of us get to be part of a miracle. Each of us, as we pledge, each of us, as we give, we get to be part of something so much greater than us. And God, today we come and we ask that you would take what we have and that you would multiply it, that you would be glorified. And God, today I pray, would you help us, help us to live for your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. I have it on my notes here that if you could please pledge by the end of October so we know where we're at, so we see our target is, is close at hand, I would really appreciate that. I also want to remind you that if you filled out a connection card this morning, would you drop it in the green box? Again, we want to get better acquainted with you. Our prayer team is coming right now at, at this moment uh, to pray with you. And uh, we believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the power of prayer. If you need a miracle today, if you need God to touch your life, if you need God to touch a situation, can I tell you the importance of, of praying with someone, how important that is? Would you let them pray with you? God bless you. We have a lot of things coming. Make sure you go on, on our church app and sign up for those things. God bless. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.